the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Stop making babies. Yeah, that's right. There are too many people on Earth. Uh, Here the planet is just way too crowded. So tell everyone you know, uh, no more babies. That's right. Uh, And if you know, if you can, if you're at the age where you're still making babies, stop. Don't do it anymore. Uh, uh, This is according to a story in Bloomberg News. 11,000 scientists, and I'm guessing some of these people have probably tried to warn you and me about cow farts. Uh, and they're probably still out there doing that, but this is, you know, this is a bigger deal. They're now saying that there are too many people, and if we don't cut back on reproduction, we're all doomed. Now, these scientists, uh, they signed on to a warning uh, published in the journal called Bioscience, and they all still believe that eating meat and, you know, using fossil fuels are going to doom the planet if we don't uh, quit doing it. I don't know what if they put a, a time uh, l- limit on it, but that's what they're saying. So, uh, you know, when you think about it, and, and they, they, so now they've, they've glommed on to this population thing, and they're serious about it. And when you think about it, the fact that the pool of humans is large enough that these people could find 11,000 lunatics to sign on to the manifesto may be their best argument for reducing the number of humans. I mean, there's too many people if you can find 11,000 people who are this nuts. Uh, they want systematic change to energy, food, and economic policies, and they say population, quote, must be stabilized and ideally gradually reduced within a framework that ensures social integrity. Yeah, let's put the people we've been watching in Washington, D.C. for the last 30 or 40 years in charge of deciding how many kids are allowed in families. They could, you know, give you a license for more kids if you behave yourself or, you know, promise to cooperate by doing the little things like, you know, not using plastic straws or cutting back on meat, you might get an extra kid for that. Or if you promise to take the bus instead of driving a car, and you could have as many kids as you want. By the way, we're going to talk about this a little bit more because we're going to have a guy talking about Donald Trump pulling out of the Paris Agreement, which will really cause some problems with these 11,000 idiots. We'll be right back. They blow into town with the wind, rain, and hail. And out-of-town storm chasers going door-to-door, often posing as a local company, offering a quick fix to desperate homeowners. If you've had damage to your roof, windows, siding, or gutters and downspouts, you may be eligible to get them replaced or repaired free of charge. Just be careful who you call. Visit WindowsRSPittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of their highly trained appraisers. With over 50 years in home remodeling, Windows R Us is the area's premier exterior replacement company for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, doors, and of course windows. If damage isn't your issue and you just want something new, you'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. A company who will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty. Visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. Mention Stag for an additional 10% off. Windows R Us, proud sponsor of the Jerk of the Week, heard every Friday on the John Steigerwald Show. WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. Confusing? Tedious? Worse than a math test. That's how most Most Americans describe shopping for health insurance. Yep, open enrollment is here again. You have until December 15th to choose something very expensive that you hope to never use. And if that makes you want to stick a red-hot poker in your eye, call Marley Financial. Marley has every plan available in the tri-state, but they also offer some of the most innovative solutions to tackle the high cost of health care. Heard of first-dollar benefits, the most expensive part of a health plan? They're great if you visit the doctor a lot or take medications, but if you're healthy, why pay it? A catastrophic plan through Marley may be all you need. Or how about a high-deductible plan you can pair with a supercharged HSA? Not all plans qualify, but Marley's do, offering double benefits to cut your out-of-pocket costs in half. Call Marley Financial today at 724 724- 884-1496 for a custom-designed health plan with the coverage you need at a price that's right for you. 724-884-1496 or at marleyfg.com. 
This is the Entertainment Answer. What does actor John Cena say audiences will take away from his new family comedy, Playing With Fire? Audiences will think laugh and cry the story of the movie is going to make you think the comedy of the movie is going to make you laugh and the heart of the movie is going to make you cry and i think that's an awesome day in life so the fact that we can be able to do that in the movies that's a a good way to 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 call this work playing with fire rated pg for this entertainment answer i'm matt mungle Guess what? Right now is the perfect time to get your house ready for the winter so you can sit back and enjoy the holidays. HomeAdvisor can help get you started. HomeAdvisor matches you to the right pro for the job in seconds. You can read reviews and even book appointments online. HomeAdvisor can help with any home project, big or small, painting, plumbing, even remodeling. So why wait? Go to HomeAdvisor.com or download the free app to get started on your next project. HomeAdvisor! Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry's starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3388. Enjoy. Warning. Listening to this program may expose you to toxic masculinity. The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250. The answer. Well, I'm sure you've seen the story of the family that was massacred in Mexico yesterday. Burned to death in their cars, some of them. One six-year-old was shot in the back while trying to get away. Mexico's a mess. And it's right there on our border. And John Daniel Davidson is the political editor at The Federalist. He lives in Texas, and he says something has to be done now. He joins us now. John, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So uh, the headline of your piece is, it's time for the United States to wage war on Mexican drug cartels. What kind of war are we talking about here? Well, uh, we're talking about at least, at least, putting sanctions on Mexican officials that cooperate with these cartels or who are implicated in cartel activity. Uh, That should be a first step, and we could do that unilaterally. Uh, Beyond that, we need to convince the Mexican government to uh, let us help them go to war against these cartels. Now, uh, it's kind of tough to wage war with Mexico's uh, help, though, when the president says the solution is hugs. Uh, not gunshots, which is what he's actually on record as saying. Yeah, that was uh, one of his campaign slogans. And it really, you know, he says this every time there's some horrible cartel violence. And it underscores the fact that his government has absolutely no plan to deal with these cartels uh, and to address increasing cartel violence. So we really don't have a very reliable partner in Mexico right now in the Mexican government. Uh, and and that's uh, and that's the problem, which which brings us back to the idea of acting unilaterally with sanctions, uh, but possibly uh, with more. So um, it, it seems like it's it's almost like the Mexican government has gotten to the point where it believes they believe that uh, the Mexican people just expect this. This is this is life in Mexico. Deal with it. I mean, what do you want us to do? It's, This is the way things are in Mexico. Yeah, that's right. And President Obrador has said time and again that, you know, that he wants to tackle the root causes of cartel violence, which he says are, you know, poverty, unemployment, lack of jobs. And that if you just, you know, improve the economy and and make sure everybody has a job, then the cartels will go away. Well, that's crazy. Of course, the cartels are not going to go away. They're they're enormous money making enterprises. Uh, and, and, you know, I, to be honest uh, and, and to be totally fair, the United States uh, is implicated in this. We are the market for the drugs that these cartels traffic. 
so, you know, we need to get serious about our role, the role we play, the role that Mexico needs to play, and what it would actually take to, uh, uh, to knock these cartels down a peg or two. The reality is that there's vast swaths of northern Mexico that are effectively governed by cartels, not by the Mexican government. Wow. Now, you know, that brings me to another thing that, that is not necessarily the subject of your piece. But, um, you know, the, the war on drugs and the... The, uh, the the black market created by the governments um, declaring these drugs illegal, and it, you know, it, are, are we back to the same situation that we had uh, during prohibition, where prohibition just did nothing but create a gigantic industry of criminals, who all based on the selling of a, an illegal substance that everybody wanted. Yeah, it's it's a tough question, and uh, and it's and it's there's no easy solution. I do think that when we change drug policy in the United States, it does affect uh, the drug cartels in Mexico. One of the reasons that the cartels have gotten into trafficking heroin and fentanyl and meth is that uh, United United States uh, state governments have started legalizing marijuana for a long time. The cartels. Uh, trafficked in marijuana as their main cash uh, commodity. Um, but once, once those revenues started disappearing, when, when states started legalizing marijuana, they had to diversify their income streams. Uh, the other thing they've done is they've gotten into all kinds of things that have nothing to do with drugs at all. They've gotten into kidnapping, extortion, fuel theft, industrial agriculture, offshore fishing, these aren't just drug cartels anymore. These are vast criminal organizations. Uh, and and uh, unfortunately, we're not taking it very seriously. There's no there's no plan to combat these these guys. And and um, have the cartels uh, it seems pretty obvious they've gotten more bold because they know their president is a wimp. Why would they exactly. not get become more bold and think it's that it's uh, it's a great time to be a drug dealer? Or an extortionist or exactly. a kidnapper. Exactly, exactly. Two weeks ago, you had this huge battle in the city of Culiacan in, uh, uh, in Sinaloa State where uh, some Mexican National Guardsmen tried to arrest the son of El Chapo, and uh, hundreds of cartel gunmen just besieged the city. They blew up buses and blocked roadways. Uh, they were driving around in custom-armored uh, vehicles with with mounted automatic uh, machine guns. Uh, it, it was crazy. And they, they forced the Mexican military to release El Chapo's son and surrender. Uh, and, of course, President Obrador said this was the right decision. This was the right decision. Basically, it meant it, it, it sent a message that uh, drug cartels can outgun the Mexican military. And they did in that case. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and President Trump says it's time to wipe them off of the face of the earth. I think that was his tweet yesterday. Uh, how visible are these guys? I mean, you know, do they have compounds, uh, places that could be attacked? Or, or are they like terrorists where they're just kind of intermingled in, this, in society and you have to search them out? Well, I think that, that uh, U.S. law enforcement, you know, officials, DOJ and DEA officials, they, they know who is in charge of, of some of these organizations. Uh, it's, it's not like a secret. Um, the difficulty is, is when you take out a drug kingpin uh, and you take out the leader of a cartel, the cartel usually splinters into rival groups. And that's, that's what's contributed to a lot of the violence in Mexico over the past 10 or 15 years. So, uh, you know, the answer to that is, is to have a comprehensive, long-term strategic approach that looks at a whole bunch of things. It looks at the Mexican officials at the state and federal level that are complicit in cartel businesses, uh, that looks at corruption in local police forces, uh, and that, that invests in, in rooting out corruption at the local level. Uh, you, you have to uh, think about vetting senior members of, uh, of the federal government in Mexico, which is what we used to do back in 2006 when Felipe Calderon was president. So 
So there's a whole bunch of things that need to go into fighting these cartels. Uh, and unfortunately, right now, we're not doing hardly any of them. So, th- so this isn't like um, trying to find ISIS uh, or, you know, to try to weed out people. They're, they're very visible. Yeah. Yeah. This is more like um, what we did in the 1990s in Colombia, where we worked with very closely with the Colombian government uh, and we had buy in from the Colombian people to uh, uh, to put an end to uh, cartelism in Colombia, uh, more or less. Uh, and, th- and that's what we need to do in Mexico. And unfortunately, uh, we don't really have a good partner in the Mexican government right now. How is how close is Mexico to just collapsing and being run by the drug cartels? Well, like I said earlier, parts of Mexico are already facto yeah. under car- cartel control. You know, and and this isn't this is sort of a case where the cartels have kind of penetrated Mexican officialdom. So you know, you you have you have uh, governors and mayors and municipal officials and state lawmakers. Who are all in the pay of the cartels, uh, and and so while you, you're not going to have like a hospital or a school being run by a cartel, uh, the the local structures of government in certain parts of Mexico are are under the control of the cartels and and essentially working for them uh, in 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 various ways. And, and what would it take for the U.S. to justify crossing the border to attack these people? Well, arguably, the massacre of American citizens could justify crossing the border for a punitive expedition. Um, that that would probably uh, be popular in America, and it would send a very strong message to cartels and to uh, the Mexican government that the price for killing an American is too high to pay, uh, and and uh, and that there will be consequences when Americans are killed in Mexico. You know, a lot of the things you're saying, uh, your description of what's happening there, you know, I'm still thinking that you could substitute the word uh, mafia or organized crime for it, and you'd you'd have a story of what was going on here in the 20s with government corruption and everything. But the one difference uh, seems to be, you know, even the mafia and and organized crime back in the heyday of organized uh, crime, uh, the you know the Al Capone days, they had limits to what they would do. Uh, uh, people's families were off limits. You didn't, you never would uh, kill a woman or a child, uh, as you know, in in um, in order to gain revenge on another gang. And that's just they have no restraints down there. Yeah, I think we underestimate the degree to which really uh, horrible violence has become endemic in, in Mexico, especially in certain parts of Mexico. The drug war in Mexico began around 2006 when Felipe Calderon was elected president. And, you know, uh, 250,000 people have been killed since then. Unbelievable. Uh, you know, uh, it, it's, it, it's, it's staggering uh, the amount of violence and death and destruction that have been visited on Mexico in the past 15 years. And I think at, at a certain point, people get inured to that violence and the people who perpetrate the violence, uh, it's sort of like a one-way ratchet. They just It just keeps going up and get, getting more and more violent, more and more bloody. So, And now you have uh, you know, gunmen uh, uh, killing women and children in cold blood. We're talking to John D- uh, Daniel Davidson. He's the uh, political editor at The Federalist. His piece, uh, the headline of which is, It's Time for the United States to Wage War on Mexican Drug Cartels. Um, so... Uh, is there really, I mean, at this point, is there really any Mexican government official who should be trusted? You write that corruption is rotting the Mexican state from within. So just, I mean, actually, it would seem to me that the people you can trust the least are the government people. Yeah, well, you know, you see an awareness on the part of uh, U.S. law enforcement agencies and intelligence agencies that there are there are certain uh, elements of the Mexican government and Mexican officialdom that you can trust and, and some that you can't. So you see a preference, for example, for uh, U.S. law enforcement and intelligence agencies to want to share intelligence with 
the uh, Mexican Marines and the Navy as opposed to the Mexican Army, which is considered to be much more compromised um, than, than the Navy, um, as well as uh, the federal police are considered to be largely compromised. And there's, there's constantly stories about uh, the federal police committing crimes and extorting people and uh, uh, carrying out cartel actions all, all across Mexico. So the, the, there, is, uh, um, there is an awareness on the part of U.S. officials that some elements in, in Mexico's government are more trustworthy than others. And those are the those are the areas we need to, to focus on for cooperation uh, going forward. It's a tough nut to crack, isn't it? Because um, it, it's awful hard for the government to compete with the cartels when it comes to offering uh, a, a citizen a good life, because the cartels are already uh, just almost accepted as part of the culture there. But they have an unlimited amount of money, and they can bribe people uh, in government. They can also offer gigantic amounts of money to people who are in the military to look the other way or to help them do their dirty work. It just seems to me like an impossible um, task to turn it around at this point. It it certainly does seem daunting, and and it's not going to be easy, and it's not going to be quick. Uh, But at the very least, we need to start formulating a, a comprehensive strategy and really put resources and manpower behind it. You know, we've spent billions of dollars and thousands of American lives over the past 20 years in places like Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, meanwhile, we have what amounts to a failing state on our southern border. I don't know how this policy of benign neglect can continue uh, because sooner or later, uh, you know, the chaos and the violence are not going to stay south of the Rio Grande. They're going to come north. Do you think that this is doing anything to um, help the cause of uh, building a wall or securing the borders uh, and maybe uh, might help convince some of the people who have tried to diminish the importance of that? It might. It might. I mean, the, the, the question of the cartels is tied up with the question of border security and illegal immigration. And part of the reason is that the cartels are profiting off of this wave of asylum seekers. You know, they make money uh, for, for, for every uh, uh, asylum seeker who crosses the river. Uh, they, they have to pay a tax. And so they're making billions of dollars off of illegal immigration every year. So to the extent that we can reduce illegal immigration, then we can reduce their profits. We're talking to, finishing up here with John Daniel Davidson of The Federalist. Uh, i got to ask you, John, you're in Texas. You live in Texas. Um, you're a little bit yeah. closer than we are to all this. Uh, what, what, is the, what, what do the people in Texas think about all this? I mean, is, it, is there a consensus that something has to be done, or does it depend on your political affiliation, uh, your, uh, your ethnicity? What, what, what do the people in Texas think about it? Yeah, well, Texas is political like everywhere else. So, you know, you've got uh, you've got uh, people who are on the left side of the spectrum who think that uh, the problem is the Trump administration. And you've got people who are on the right who uh, think the problem is the Democrats' uh, unwillingness to do anything about the border and to uh, pursue an open borders policy. Uh, but the, the reality is that Texas really does have... Um, a very symbiotic relationship with the border. We have an enormous amount of cross-border commerce. Uh, communities all across South Texas rely on uh, trade over the U.S.-Mexico border, and uh, and and we want to see a secure border. Um, we want to see a secure border that's orderly and that allows for legitimate commerce and legitimate back and forth uh, uh, to flow freely. Um, so I think, I think that there, there is a, there's an appetite here just like there is in the rest of the country for, for our leaders to, to finally tackle this issue. Well, let's hope they do. I appreciate you uh, being on the show with us, uh, John and a great piece today in the Federalist. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Okay. That's John Daniel Davidson of the Federalist and we will be right back. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. At a gathering at the White House today, South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham expressed appreciation to President Trump 
for persevering with last year's confirmation of Brett Kavanaugh to the U.S. Supreme Court. Brett Kavanaugh lived a life we should all be proud of. He worked hard, and the way he was treated was the worst experience I've had in politics. A lot of people would have pulled the plug on him. Mr. President, thank you for not pulling the plug. Senator Graham went on to say the conservatives will remember President Trump's accomplishment when they vote a year from now in 2020. Meanwhile, pundits are commenting on yesterday's elections in places like Virginia, where Democrats took hold of both the legislative and executive branches, and Kentucky, where the governor's race is still up in the air. On Wall Street, the Dow down by a fraction. This is SRN News. Sebastian Gorka here for Relief Factor, the 100% drug-free supplement that was formulated by doctors to help your body deal with inflammation and pain. The reason I've told so many of my friends about the three-week quick start is because as we get older, occasional aches and pains can be a real problem, keeping you from sleeping through the night or doing the things you love and need to do, like taking walks or playing golf, going up or downstairs, or simply playing with your kids or grandkids. Tens of thousands are now like me, glad they ordered the three-week quick start for just nineteen ninety-five. After years of back pain, I found relief, and I believe you could too. Folks, this is why the father and son owners of Relief Factor, Pete and Seth Talbot, created the three-week quick start, and they discounted it to only nineteen ninety-five. Approximately 70% of those who order it go on to order more. Let's see if we can get you out of pain too. Go to relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com, or call 800-500-8384. Dr. Sebastian Gorka isn't sold on the polls. I think polling is dead. You know when I realized that Donald Trump has a shot? It's when I got out of the coastal areas and I saw yard signs. Yard signs for Donald Trump and none for Hillary. That is more effective than any poll I have ever seen. America First with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Afternoons at 3, right before John Steigerwald at 5 on AM 1250. The Answer. Are you willing to go through another season with cold and drafty windows or doors? Well, you don't have to. Pella has a great sale going on right now. Get $150 off windows and $500 off doors or 48 months no interest. Energy efficiency, noise control. Plus, we are certified best for kids. Our warranties are the best in the business and expert installation too. It's Pella on sale right now. Call 888-78-PELLA, PellaPittsburgh.com. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Upon your passing, you wouldn't want a judge to decide who raises your children or how your estate gets divided. It is important to review your estate planning documents to ensure they protect what matters most. At Abernathy and Hagerman, we will work with you to establish an estate plan that nominates a guardian for your minor children and that your assets are used for your family's benefit. Judge for yourself. For legal help that lasts a lifetime, visit a-h.law. You started your business with nothing but a great big idea. They told you it couldn't be done, but that just made you work harder to prove them wrong. Now look at you, ready to take on the world. Speed Pro Pittsburgh South gets where you're coming from. When they said they wanted to create great big graphics for great big ideas like yours in less time than anyone else, they were told it couldn't be done. Speed Pro Pittsburgh South just smiled and said, oh yeah, watch us. When you need a large format printing partner who can provide high quality visual graphics in stunning detail, from trade show displays to outdoor signs, 3M brand vehicle wrap for your fleet, to window graphics, banners, and decals, Speed Pro Pittsburgh South can handle most jobs in two days or less and can roll with last minute change ups without breaking a sweat. Who says it can't be done? For a free quote, visit speedpropghsouth.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. You're seeing pretty heavy congestion just about everywhere, but especially Parkway West inbound at solid 79 to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. Parkway East, the big delay is on the outbound side, Bay Street out to Edgewood, Swissville. The delays continue on outbound 28 Veterans Bridge out to Butler Street. That's really slowing down because of an accident in the right lane. Northbound 79 heavy from the Parkway North up to 910. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, the answer. Weather. 
increasing clouds tonight with a shower in some spots towards daybreak, low 39. Tomorrow, we'll have periods of rain in the morning. That rain will mix with and change over to snow later in the afternoon. As we have colder air building in, we'll have an early high of 43 degrees tomorrow. Snow will end early tomorrow evening after leaving behind a coating. We do have to watch for icy spots, low 24. Friday, a spotty snow shower in the morning, high 37. With your Iraqi weather forecast, I'm Danielle Niddle. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, on Monday, uh, President Trump officially fulfilled another promise when he uh, officially pulled the U.S. out of the Paris Agreement. Environmentalists around the world, especially uh, here in the United States, I'm guessing, are in uh, therapy right now. Lots of them would tell you that we're all doomed, of course. H. Sterling Burnett is a senior fellow on environmental policy and the managing editor of Environment and Climate magazine. He joins us now. Sterling, thanks for being here. Good to be here. So, uh, would it be safe to say that uh, Monday was a pretty good day over there at the Heartland Institute? <laughs> yeah, that's that's a fair assessment. More than more than a fair assessment. Uh, we've seen a a couple of uh, we've seen the administration backtrack on a couple of things recently, but this was the most important thing they could have done, and they did it. Now, um, just what is the Paris, or was, or is? I guess is it still is the Paris Climate Agreement. And why is it or was it bad for America? Well, sure. The Paris Climate Agreement it does still exist just because the U.S. doesn't participate. doesn't mean 199 other countries aren't going to. Uh, and what it is, is is on paper, it's supposed to reduce emissions of uh, greenhouse gases, primarily carbon dioxide. Under it, every country is supposed to make its own commitments to reduce carbon dioxide to levels that will prevent uh, temperatures, in the future, uh, by, by uh, 2100, rising above uh, two degrees beyond pre-industrial levels. Now, mind you, we're already a degree above pre-industrial levels, so basically one more degree. Now, environmentalists at the time, it was fine. They said, oh, we're very happy. We're very happy. But you know what? You haven't gone far enough because we really need to stop it at, at one and a half degrees. So you really need to cut emissions even more than this. But this is a start. And we'll come back in 2020 and revisit it and cut emissions more. And or so, at least commit to cutting emissions more. And so now, okay, um, sorry, go ahead. In the U.S., in the U.S., the Obama administration, who signed the agreement in 2015, um, they committed under the agreement to cut our emissions 28 percent below 2005 levels by 2030. Yeah, and that's not going to happen. Well, our emissions are already down significantly. Uh, we're about the only country that was part of the agreement that we're no longer in it, and we haven't done anything, you know, um, overtly to enforce it. Who are reducing emissions because we switched so much of our energy to natural gas, uh, which emits fewer carbon dioxide, um, uh, less carbon dioxide than coal when it's burned for fuel. So we were already reducing emissions despite the fact we had no carbon taxes and despite the fact we had no regulations imposing restrictions. Uh, most other countries who are still part of the agreement and can say that we're a climate criminal for pulling out are not meeting their commitments <laughs> under the agreement. Uh, their emissions are rising, uh, and they're using more coal. So it's funny to have the hypocrites complain that we're not party to an agreement that's just uh, it's a piece of paper. Well, it has no enforcement mechanism. It wasn't reducing emissions, and we we are reducing emissions. We're just not going to be part of this piece of paper. It's 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 the name. Well, um, these countries, 196 countries signed on, um, uh, and, and that's in 2015. And you say that they are not living up to the what they signed on to. Um, yeah. Now, there's some hypocrisy there, of course, but it's also what about this, just the stupidity of it? I mean, if they really believe well, what they the, signed on to, how are they letting it get away from them the way they are? Well, you know, I don't think it's the stupidity. I think what it is is the reality starts slapping them in the face. So in the U.S., why Trump pulled out is it was going to cost us trillions and trillions of dollars. It was going to sink our economy. It was clear. We would have to give up fossil fuels to meet this agreement, and that was going to wreck our economy. We're talking, you know, trillions of dollars, 40, 40 to 170 trillion dollars. Well, you know, we weren't going to do that. It was not realistic in the start to start with. 
Well, the other countries that said they, we could do this, we can do this. They, you know, they've always been pushing this more than the U.S. We've always been uh, skeptics. Skepticism in the U.S. has always been greater than in Europe and in Japan and other places. And uh, so they, they believe they could do it. I think they believe they could do it. But what they found out is once they, the, you know, where the rubber hits the road, once we start imposing these restrictions, once we start raising prices on energy, once we start taxing energy, and forcing people into public transit and out of vehicles, uh, guess what? The public, who said they were very worried in all these polls about climate change, everyone's worried about climate change, but no one wants to pay the cost of fighting it. And that's what they found out. So you had, uh, not only did you get Trump elected after the Paris Agreement, you had people in Washington State, one of the most liberal states in the country, reject carbon taxes directly twice. Voters in Washington State faced initiatives in 2016, the year Trump was elected, and 2018, saying we're going to tax carbon, we're going to reduce emissions because everyone's worried about climate change. And they went to the polls and rejected it. Abroad, you had riots in the street in Paris for months called the Yellow Vest Movement. People took to the streets. Over what? Well, Macron was raising fuel prices and restricting uh, automobile use and raising prices on appliances because they were going to have to be more efficient and electricity. And the public had was fed up. They had enough. They took to the streets. Fires broke out. Unfortunately, people died. Hundreds were arrested. And it went on for week after week after week. And finally, Macron, who said, nothing they do will change my mind, his mind got changed. And four weeks into the riots and the protests, he scrapped the new taxes. Well, Germany's done the same thing. Germany's backed off some plans. They're, they're cutting their subsidies to renewables. Uh, you recently had, uh, in, in Europe, you had two minor parties, new parties, less than three years old. In, uh, I think it's in Finland, this party that was a climate skeptic party said, we've got to stop doing these crazy climate things and stop restricting our energy use. They came in first in the parliamentary elections, three years after being formed. They, they outdid every other party. And in, uh, in the Netherlands, the, it may be just the opposite. It may be in the Netherlands, they won the dominant party, and in Finland, they came in second. It's like, it's like hold it. We're, these guys came from nowhere, and their primary thing on their platform was fighting climate policies that were too costly. In Canada, where Trudeau has started to impose carbon taxes, where he got premiers to impose carbon taxes, he lost, uh, his party lost the premiership of Ontario, Canada's largest province. They lost Alberta, uh, and the premiers came in there and said, we're going to sue the government, we're going to fight them on their carbon taxes, and we're going to rescind the ones that we currently have in place. Out, the government of Australia failed over climate policies. We now have the riots, we, we had riots and, and protests in Mexico and Brazil over higher energy prices, and you now have Chile. So what's happening is world leaders, you know, Chile, Chile is going to host the next climate summit, and they had to stop that because people were in the streets saying, <laughs> you can't raise our, our metro fare prices four cents a, a ride. They're tired of it. The public is tired of a leech trying to force uh, costly energy policies down their throats saying that 100 years from now, we're going to prevent a modest rise in temperature of, a, of less than half a degree. That's crazy. And, and the public's finally watching up to it. And is there any proof at all that even if the, that the CO2 is going to rise the, raise the uh, temperature anyway? Look, we can debate the science all day long. Yeah. I happen to be what I call a climate realist. Mm-hmm. I don't think the evidence is in that CO2 emissions are causing catastrophic climate change. Could they have some effect? Well, physics indicates they should have some effect. But whether it's the effect that uh, uh, whether a modest rise in temperature will cause the end of the world in 12 years, as, as uh, AOC has uh, claimed, uh, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez from New York, or as uh, Greta Thunberg, the 16-year-old child from uh, from abroad has claimed, you know, there's no evidence for that whatsoever. In fact, scientists don't believe that. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> it's, it's, there's no evidence whatsoever that carbon dioxide emissions are causing a climate catastrophe. 
We're talking to H. Sterling Burnett. He's a senior fellow on environmental policy at the uh, at the at the um, Heartland Institute. Sorry, thought lost that for a minute. Um, no, I was thinking about all, as you were running down all the countries where all the people are, you know, doing everything from rioting in the streets to voting people out to to voting tax increases out. Um, it all, it, it all, everything. It's um, that seems to be connected with this movement, the the climate change hysteria movement, is so much about things that make you feel good and the fantasy. Uh, of of what you you were proposing that are going to fix everything being nowhere close to reality, and it just it's just a matter of time until reality just overcomes the fantasy, and people say, "Wait a well, minute, you know, wait, I'm not doing Paris, this." Paris was the biggest fantasy of all, and I'll tell you why. The, the, from the very start, from the very get go, as soon as the ink was dry on the signatures, anyone could have predicted Paris would not prevent climate change. If CO2 is driving climate change, anyone could have predicted this was going to fail. Why? Well, the largest emitter of carbon dioxide and greenhouse gas emissions in the world is China. Right. China is double U.S. emissions. We're the second largest. So what does China, how much emissions are China obligated to cut under the Paris Climate Agreement? Not any. (laughs) <laughs> they promised, under the Paris Climate Agreement, well, promise is a hard word. Right. What they said is, we expect our emissions of CO2 to peak in 2030. What? Yeah. India. We expect our emissions of CO2 to peak at some point in the future. Now, they're growing their emissions dramatically every year because they're adding more coal because they're trying to bring their people out of poverty with electricity. Both those countries. They're doing what's good for their people. But in the process, they are growing carbon dioxide emissions. And guess what? If Let's say they did peak. Let's say they really did peak at 2030. Peak at what level? (laughs) If they peak 25% above where they are today, they will swap all the emissions reductions in the rest of the world. If they peak at double what they are today, <laughs> I mean, I mean, promising that, saying, we say this is pollution. I don't happen to think carbon dioxide is pollution, but China admits this. We say this is pollution. We're going to peak our pollution at 2030. Uh, and with other people saying 2030 is too late, the world is doomed. Um, <laughs> so, so Paris was a farce to begin with. It was, a, it was, a, it was virtue signaling. It was a placeholder. It was announcing to the world that we believe something that bad is happening, and we really, really, really want to do something about it. But guess what? We're not that serious because we're exempting the, you know, the the first and third largest source of emissions in the world. And um, so, is this is this agreement? Could it be even worth the paper it's written on? Without the United States and China being involved, even if everything they said is true and all the goals are achievable, they're not achievable if you don't have the, the, the top, in their minds, polluters signing on to it. Well, I mean, we, 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 like I said, we were cutting emissions even though, yeah. you know, even we've been cutting emissions. We were cutting emissions starting in 2005, which is 10 years before the agreement. You don't have to have an international agreement to reduce emissions. What you have to have is modern technologies and no uh, mandatory restrictions on carbon dioxide necessarily gives you modern technologies. Um, So Paris was not worth, as far as reducing carbon dioxide emissions, was not worth the paper it was printed on. You know, the trees that had to be cut down Mm -hmm. to to print the paper. (laughs) Uh, I mean, you, you... it produced more emissions in the cutting down of those trees because they're no longer sucking carbon out of the atmosphere than the emissions it would reduce if everyone kept the word. Because, what a joke. Like I said, China is, it says it will peak its emissions in 2030. Well, we, we have no idea where those emissions will peak. Right now they're growing at that, that 1.5% to 2.7% per year. Well, where will it be in another uh, <laughs> 10 years? If they're at that at that rate, they're up another fifteen to twenty seven percent. India is growing even faster. 
And and while we're cutting emissions, you know, we're not cutting emissions enough. We wouldn't cut emissions enough to to overwhelm, you know, to make up for the emissions growth in China, India, and not just there, but in almost every other developing country on Earth and in most industrialized countries, too. Paris, like I said, their emissions have grown since 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 the Paris Climate Agreement. You know, France's emissions have grown since Paris Climate Germany's emissions have grown since the Paris Climate Agreement. So all these people that are complaining about us, saying, oh, my God, you're abandoning <laughs> us, you know, you're, yeah. you're destroying the world, they're the ones that are putting out the emissions. Well, they, we can blame the end of the world on them. Sterling, uh, I'm uh, out of time. I appreciate it. Uh, this Sterling Burnett, uh, Senior Fellow on Environmental Policy at the uh, Heartland Institute. I want to let you get back to the party. I, I, I have a feeling it's still going on down there at the Heartland. So, uh, you know, try to calm down a little bit and may, maybe phase it out by the end of the week. I'll try and do so. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> Thank you. Sterling Burnett, and we'll be back. living in a very successful, affluent society for many people, yet it's also true that there are people that are being left out of that. And how do we reach those people? Joel Gilliam, Executive Director at Light of Life Rescue Mission on Pittsburgh's North Side. So part of what Light of Life does is that we help them in our education and employment program to connect with workforce development, to look at the skill gap that exists. And so we're partnering with places like the Community College. We're taking our clients, once they are clean, and they are ready to move on, now they can actually get credentialed in an area where they can be hired to work with uh, UPMC or Google or or Amazon or these other places. And so it provides an on-ramp for those who are left out to get back involved in society. Help someone else find their comeback story. To become a monthly partner or make a one-time gift, visit lightoflife.org slash give today. lightoflife.org slash give. Do you want to get rid of your expensive landline, save money, but keep your important home telephone number? Then OurOldNumber.com has the perfect solution. OurOldNumber.com allows you to keep your home phone number and cancel that expensive landline connection. With OurOldNumber.com, calls from family and friends to your home phone number are answered by a personal greeting from you. The caller selects which family member they want to reach, and the call is immediately forwarded to that family member's cell phone. Your important home phone number is still your number. It's still in directory assistance, and no matter where you happen to be, you'll never miss a call. There's no equipment to buy. There's nothing to install. There are no long-term contracts, and it's only $9.99 per month. Best of all, OurOldNumber.com eliminates those annoying sales calls. Now, your home telephone number can be as mobile as you and your family are with OurOldNumber.com. Visit OurOldNumber.com to learn more and get started today. OurOldNumber.com At the Original Mattress Factory, we don't chase trends. We focus on one thing, quality. We only use the highest quality materials to build our mattresses and box springs. And we put all of our products through the ringer, testing new designs and materials at our test center in Cleveland, Ohio. If a new feature or technology doesn't offer a true benefit, we don't put it in our products. At the Original Mattress Factory, our focus is on what makes a great mattress, not a great markup. Visit OriginalMattress.com to learn more. At the Original Mattress Factory, our mattresses and box springs aren't just American-made, they're hometown-made. Our products are hand-built one at a time in local factories, using only the highest quality materials. And each of our employees is also an owner. So when you purchase from the Original Mattress Factory, you're not only getting a quality mattress at a factory direct price, you're also supporting your local economy. Visit an Original Mattress Factory location near you to see what Hometown Made is all about. Hi, this is Rhett Rasmussen of BestHotGrill.com. Not only do we have great grills, but also the best hot patio heaters. We are the nationwide distributor for Bromic Radiant Patio Heaters, the very best patio heater that you can get. The Bromic heaters use the same radiant burner technology as our Solaire Infrared Grills, so they heat up fast and keep you warm so you can enjoy your backyard grill and outdoor living spaces into the night and all year round. Bromic heaters have stylish contemporary 
contemporary designs that fit perfectly in backyard and restaurant patios. We have gas and electric models to suit most installation needs and a portable gas heater that directs the heat where you want it, not the bushes and walls like the mushroom heaters. For top quality performance and aesthetics, you want Bromic Radiant patio heaters and Solaire infrared grills. Learn about these amazing grills and heaters at besthotgrill.com. That's besthotgrill.com. Besthotgrill.com. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250. The answer. I think I've mentioned here before that uh, most of my friends in the sports media and even uh, from people who may not be my friends, I don't know, uh, they are liberals. And so it's not surprising to see the reaction that uh, the Washington Nationals visit to the White House has gotten. Uh, the guy in uh, D.C., he's a, um, uh, a radio sports guy, WT, I think it's WTOP, yeah, WTOP sports editor, Noah Frank. He says maybe the Nationals should have stuck to sports. And he says uh, he got on a couple of players. The one, one player, Suzuki, uh, put on a, a hat, a MAGA hat. Uh, and and also uh, another player who uh, made a comment about Donald Trump keeping the country safe. He hated that, but he says this is what he says. This is this is typical of sports media. But willingly standing with a deeply divisive president for a photograph, a jersey presentation, and using the power of your accomplishments to service uh, in service of political power amid a citywide celebration was something the team probably should have thought about beforehand. They shouldn't have. In other words, they shouldn't have gone to the White House. Uh, the entire team, and there were like eight players who didn't show up, and uh, apparently he was okay with that. But um, he, they, they don't. It, it's it's. They assume that everybody, I'm talking about guys in the sports media, they assume that everybody out there agrees with them on politics because how could you possibly not? How could you possibly actually like Donald Trump and not realize that he's a racist, homophobe, transphobe, uh, transphobic uh, warmonger or whatever it is they think of him? Um, how could you possibly think that? Uh, but apparently there are about 63 million people who didn't think that a few years ago, and he's going to win again. My friends in the sports media need to, I don't know, face up to the facts. There are people out there who like Donald Trump, and he's no more divisive than Barack Obama was. And it was okay to go visit him. I'll talk to you tomorrow. The John Steigerwall Show is a production of AM 1250, The Answer, and Salem Media Group.